listening to episode 247 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we take a break from our analysis of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse to talk about the pilot episode of the new Netflix reboot of Lost in Space. And I was pleasantly surprised. How about you? Um, well, I can't say surprised because uh, before I watched it, I had already heard like a lot of like kids I teach and uh, my sons talking favorably about it so i kind of went in expecting it to be good from you know the buzz i heard about it already and everything so but um you know had i not heard that i probably would have gone in with a little bit of trepidation i mean lost in space we'll talk more about the the history of the show before but sure um you know but let's say you know it was not known for its um like special effects and things like that right no no um, question or it, it is known for its special effects, but like not in a good way, you know. Um, right. So, you know, but uh, but yeah, I liked it. It's good. All right, cool. Now we said last week we're not planning to continue with Lost in Space. This is just a one-off pilot preview, if you will. We're going to head back to Dollhouse next week, and then after Dollhouse, we're still not sure, but. You know, as always, uh, Wayne and I want to remind you, we'd like to hear from you. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can go to the website, leave us a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip the way Fred does if you want. Send us the MP3 or tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. But I think the best thing to do is join the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Absolutely. Now, it's yeah, and now it's been a few weeks since I brought up the Patreon page, and you know, again, like we said way back, we're not going to beat anybody over the head with this. But you know, we well, do have a Patreon. I beat a couple account. people over the head. It right, didn't cool. work. Like, they still <laughs> like they're probably less uh, likely to donate after I beat them over the head. So <laughs> I'm going to not do it anymore. All right, but as we said, help defray some of the costs of producing Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and we'll never charge for content. We've said that from day one. If we do bonus content that's produced after meeting our Patreon goals, it's going to be available to everybody, patron or not. Not going to make a big deal about it, you know, but it's time to at least make patronage an option. So we hope you choose to become a patron, but if not, no worries. We're still going to keep talking about the shows we all love. And as I said, you can go to the website, look for the Patreon link on the right side, or go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. All right. Now, this is going to be our final look at the 2018 Saturn Awards, and we're not covering all the categories for television. But tonight, we're going to take a look at Best New Media Television Series and Best New Media Superhero Series. And I don't know that we're going to get in as much depth here because I haven't seen all of these. But for Best New Media Television Series, Altered Carbon, Black Mirror, Handmaid's Tale, Mindhunter, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, Star Trek Discovery, and Stranger Things. And actually, now that I read the list again, I have seen them all except for Mindhunter. (laughs) Yeah, I I haven't seen Mindhunter, but I think I've seen the others. And, you know, it's a great list. I I, got to say, though, right off the top, I wasn't that crazy about Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams episodes that I saw. I I have to admit, I mean, it was was still good. Um, And if Black Mirror didn't exist, I would probably have liked it a lot more. But, you know, basically my take on it is it's pretty good but just not nearly as good as Black Mirror. Yeah. It's and, it's and, basically like Black Mirror. You know, it's like the same thing as Black Mirror. You know, the each each episode's a self-contained episode and it's you know they're all like ironic and everything like that. So Yeah, and I think Black Mirror cancels it out. So right away if we like you said they're, they're very similar in approach, <clears throat> Black Mirror I think is a lot better and it sounds like you do as well. Now, did you get a chance to see The Handmaid's Tale? I did not see The Handmaid's Tale. Okay, now I did see it, and I really liked it. I'm just going to leave it at that for right now. I thought the acting was really good. Uh, the The story has, has been out there. There's certainly a movie made of it in, uh, I think, the late 1990s, but I could be wrong on that. So that, that was really good. 
altered carbon again if if you want some of that cyberpunkish feel uh, it, it's got that as well but higher tech stuff and and i thought that was really good you see altered carbon oh yeah yeah did okay. we talk about it i felt like we talked I, about it you know yeah you know, we talked I, about I, it like as it as it went i don't think we had like a whole podcast but i think we were talking about it as kind of as it went along i had this conversation with my wife the other day yeah. uh, where i don't even remember some of the shows we talked about you know we've yeah. been doing this for like we said it'll be six years this summer uh, okay but again altered carbon was really good i, yeah. I, I like that as well awesome. mind hunter i have no idea what that even is star trek discovery yeah you know like i said last week i wasn't thrilled by it stranger things just awesome uh, yeah i don't yeah. know if i had to pick a winner out of this list i would probably go either altered carbon or stranger things but they're all well, most of them are really good. What what would you pick? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's it's it's it's. I, I mean, the, the the I would say the three best are Altered Carbon, Black Mirror, Stranger Things. I would probably have to go Stranger Things over them because here, here's why. Because I see, like, my wife loves Stranger Things. I don't think she would love Altered Carbon. I don't think she would even be able to watch three minutes of Altered Carbon. Before being like, because it's too sci-fi, right? And sure. um, and that way, Black Mirror is also very accessible. But I think Stranger Things is just, you know, probably just the the strongest show of the three. I don't know, God, they're, you know, they're all they're all just really good. And and I heard The Handmaid's Tale was awesome, but I just haven't seen it to be able to judge that. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna go with Stranger Things. Okay, cool. All right, now best new media superhero series, Future Man. Marvel's The Defenders, Marvel's Iron Fist, Marvel's Runaways, Marvel's The Punisher, and The Tick. Now, we've already established that I haven't seen The Punisher, so, you know, save your, you know. Uh, My scorn. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'll take your word for it. You, you, you have yet to give me bad advice on a superhero show, although I still haven't seen, uh, what's the one I'm supposed to watch, the movie? Oh, uh, um, oh, Deadpool, dude! Deadpool. You still haven't seen Deadpool? Come on, Dave. <laughs> no. All right, now, Future Man. I'm not even sure what that is, so I I can't speak. Oh, to that. that looked really good. I, I I mean, I haven't seen it. Obviously, I don't have Hulu, but uh, um, I I kind of remember seeing like ads for it. It looked pretty good. Okay, now but that's right off the bat talking. for me, Marvel's Iron Fist was terrible. I'm not I, a fan of the Iron Fist. Colleen Wing was the only thing that saved that show for me. Yeah. Iron Fist, the character, he was awful. The acting, he was a terrible actor. The character, <laughs> poorly written, or maybe that's what he's supposed to be. I don't know, but I hated it. Yeah. Well, Runaways, he's just like this kind of like whiny rich kid, you know, who's yeah. out of touch with the real world. So he's it's it's hard to to have loads of sympathy for him. I think they probably, by the end of it, you feel more sympathetic. But yeah, you're right. You probably spend... I know I spent a lot of time just being like, kind of, oh, he's just like some whiny rich kid. And, you know, you taught where I taught. We have to deal with that enough as it is. So, Right. Now, Marvel's Runaways, again, I was really surprised how much I liked it because, again, it just kind of what you're alluding to, anytime you're presented with a group of teenagers. Was that the one with uh, Joan Jett and Leah Ford? Uh, no, that was oh. not. Okay. And, yeah, I thought Runaways was pretty good. I thought the Defenders was good. Not the best of the Marvel right. series, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was nice to see all four of them work together. The Tick, I haven't seen. So of this list, for me, I would probably go with Defenders or Runaways, but I know you probably are going to go Punisher. Absolutely. And- no question about it. It sticks out like a sore, bloody thumb that just been shot off with a machine gun. Um, so... Yeah, I'm gonna I, definitely the Punisher. I I love the Punisher. You know, I just it, it was just awesome. And I, I've I've said yeah. If if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me go on about it. So um, you know, the Tick is a show that I I would like to see. And every time I'm in that, you know, like oh you know what should I watch? I wonder if I should maybe start up a new show. And I always kind of think about the Tick 
and then for some reason just kind of don't go there and and i don't know why um i love the cartoon back in the day so um but uh so i you know i can't really talk about it i haven't seen the runaways of future man and everything but out of the ones there that i have seen yeah like i said iron fist no not at all defenders was it was okay I, like like you said i think you i share your feelings but it was entertaining it was enjoyable there's some cool things to see from having watched the other shows and you know jessica jones and luke cage and and uh, daredevil before that um and an iron fist then to see them all working together and interacting with each other and how they work that because it's difficult to to write i think for that for that many characters and everything i think they did a pretty good job with that um but uh but yeah the punisher just sticks out like from this it's so so good so depth so intense um just fabulous all right, cool. Well, that's going to be it for our look at the 2018 Saturn Awards. So once the tally is in and the winners have been announced, we'll, we'll you know revisit this and we'll you know cover all the winners and all the categories for television. And there are also categories for movies, but hey, this is Sci-Fi TV rewatch. So when are the when do they release this? Uh, you know, I want to say June. I'll find out the exact date and mention it next time. Okay. But all right, now for me, my tip of the week, because I'm back reading again now that I have a little bit more time, um, I'm revisiting William Gibson's Neuromancer. And if you know William Gibson, a lot of people consider him the father of cyberpunk. And, and this was published, I believe, 1984. And he coins the term cyberspace in that novel. I don't oh, know yeah. if you've ever read any William Gibson. Uh, I, don't think, I don't believe I have. Okay. But it's... You know, it's funny because I I don't remember it being this dense because like a show like Altered Carbon, part of the the problem with Altered Carbon is it takes you a while to get comfortable with all of the jargon. And in a novel that is this dense, I mean, I have to reread passages constantly to make sure that I even know what it is i just read that said it's really a fascinating read and if you haven't read any william gibson i think you owe it to yourself to at least give it a shot i mean i certainly can understand not being able to get through it and and just deciding no this isn't for me but i think you should at least give it a shot so william gibson neuromancer okay um whenever i like during the week i always say oh this would be a great pick week and then whenever i i get here i just Kind of like freeze up, and uh, but and so you went with a book, and so now all I can have in my mind the book I'm reading now, which is Stephen King's Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, which is so far so good. Yeah, like we talked about the the series. Oh, we might even have podcasted on the first one. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't I remember. See, here we go again. Uh, yeah, uh, but I, I think we at least mentioned and talked about it a little bit. And so the uh, the series was great. Um, so now I'm reading the book, which is a big undertaking. It is a big book. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Cool. I I really like the series and I can't wait They're They're talking about a season two. I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but anyway, that's a big book that it's potentially, you know, that stops off only halfway through it. Like, uh, um, American gods, you know, Mm -hmm. like the first season only covered like about a third of the book, I think. All right. Well, anyway, let's jump to Lost in Space. This is episode 101, titled Impact, written by Matt Suzama and Burke Sharpless, who have been writing together for a while. They they wrote three movies, none of which I've heard of. Dracula (laughs) Untold, The Last Witch Hunter, Gods of Egypt, directed by Neil Marshall. Oh, you know that That one? Yeah, it's... uh, I think Christian Bale. It's... uh, it It was like the Ten Commandments. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, directed by Neil Marshall, who directed two episodes of Game of Thrones, two nice. of Timeless, including the pilot episode, and cool. one episode of Westworld. Nice. And this oh, one dropped. Oh, that's my freaking pick of the week. What? Westworld. Westworld. Okay. Well, it, so you got me thinking you know, about books. So I'll talk about it next week. We'll okay, continue uh, on. Uh, this one dropped on April 13th, 2018, and it is 10 episodes on Netflix. Now, you kind of mentioned this a few minutes ago. The 
original series on which this show is based, also entitled Lost in Space, ran for three seasons from 1965 to 1968, 84 episodes. And it's really interesting. I've seen the first three episodes of the Netflix version. I mean, we're only going to talk about episode one tonight, but I have seen the first three. Yeah, that's where I am too. I've seen the first three. Okay. And I did go back and watch the first episode Mm -hmm. of the original version. And it's really interesting how true to the original storyline, the reboot is holding. I mean, they've certainly done some things differently and we'll talk about those in a few minutes, but you mentioned some of the, I don't know if you brought up the campiness of the original series, but you certainly brought up the, the production values. And I, I think what you have to understand though, the original Star Trek came in 1967 and we've certainly talked about the, production values of that show as well but we have to understand it was 1967 this is 1965 right when this show started right so that i think in retrospect they pretty did a pretty decent job but what i did find out as i was doing a little bit of research on the original we're not going to talk a lot about it but the the problem they had was they were trying to compete with some of the other like shows a Batman for one that when some of these other shows went heavy on the camp, they followed and it it certainly didn't do the show any favors. I don't think so. You know, that said, I think it's worth checking out at least the first episode when you get a chance, because it's always good to know know, where we came from. Right. Exactly. And, you know, with my relationship with the original, I mean, I, I was born right after it, uh, you know, a couple of years, I should say, after um, it it ended, but it was still like heavily in syndication. It was on TV a lot. So it's kind of like, for me, like Little Rascals and things like that, which are shows that were made well before my time, but still were a big part of my childhood because that was what was on TV, you know, especially like on weekends. Uh, during the day and so i you know it it was funny because there was just stuff was coming back to me as i'm watching the show like you know when they had like parker posey's dr smith i'm like oh yeah dr smith every time every episode he was always causing trouble he was like this sneaky guy he was always out for himself and everything you know obviously the robot and danger will robinson you know like that iconic phrase that we're just waiting the whole episode to hear right so there was a lot of stuff, like kind of like things here and there. I remember. I don't really remember like specific episodes or anything like that, but I kind of remember like the general gist of Lost in Space and and everything. So it was cool to see how they did. And I did. I didn't go back and watch the first one, but I did like read what happened in the first one. And so, like, I, I know what you're talking about. How like they they really kind of you know stick with the original story uh, for that pilot episode. Now. Talking about this pilot episode, in terms of initial thoughts, and and sometimes we go kind of long here, but I'm going to try to keep it brief. I thought it was a really well-crafted pilot. I mean, it it presents enough backstory to set up the personal conflicts within the family. There's plenty of action, danger. We've got a brief quest to follow. But I think more than anything, it gives a chance for each individual to display his or her worth to the mission. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Penny a little bit. We you know we seem uh, I, I won't talk, but but like I think Penny gets a little bit of the short end in this episode. But I think everyone else uh, really gets. It actually gets Maureen. We don't really well. We do see quite a bit of Maureen and everything. So I, I can't say that. But Penny's the one who doesn't really get to show what she can do. But uh, that that she will show that later though. Yeah, yeah. Now the parents, especially the mother, are really unlikable. For me, the kids are what really engage me in in this episode, and and I will say moving forward that aspect doesn't change for me. But particularly the sisters, I just love them. Yeah. Well, and I gotta say this before we judge Maureen too harshly, John obviously effed up in a major major fashion. I don't know what he did, 
Well, actually, I kind of know what he did now. From, but still, I don't really know what he did that has Maureen so cheesed about him. But she clearly is not thrilled to have him around. Yeah, which is okay. – and, and it seems like also, you know, Judy is pretty pissed at John too, which, you know, kind of – I'm not saying like infidelity is what happened because I don't really see that as a thing John would do, but you know, it's one of those things where like the person who was most affected by the mother who knows what's going on is pissed. And then the oldest child who's probably also pretty aware of what's going on is super pissed. And the two younger kids who probably don't really know what's going on are kind of like, Hey, dad's here. Cool. Like everything's okay. You know? So, um, yeah, there, there's there's definitely stuff going on in this family, though. This is not the Robinson family from the original. Right. Right. Now, I got the impression that the reason the parents were having difficulties within their marriage had to do with the time they spent apart. And, and obviously, he's in the Marines. Obviously, he's deployed to you know somewhere that's critically important to the United States uh, safety. And I... I guess I make the leap that she's perhaps upset with him because he's got enough time in. He could say, no, I want to stay stateside, but he chooses to be deployed. Now, I don't know that. And, and through three episodes, we still don't really know that. But that, that's kind of my inkling of what happened. Sure. And, you know, right. And so, like I said, I'm, I'm trying not to judge her. But you said she is unlikable, and so far I uh, completely agree with that. Uh, it seems like she is, but but then I'm saying I think there's something more than that. And it, you know, so we we see the scene where she said, as we said, she sends John the the papers for him to sign to release custody of the kids, which is like really, you know. Um, she wants to take his kids away to a complete different place where he'll never, ever see them again. She points out, like, she's like, you've never been here. But he's like, but that's not forever. You know, so so that's that's a tough thing. And, you know, so, but he's there. So clearly he didn't sign the papers, right? Like her plan was for her to take the kids and go somewhere else. John wasn't supposed to be part of it, but he is. So I think that's got to be the 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 center of of her like resentment and anger. Okay, and that's perfectly understandable. That which raises the question, and we we still don't know the answer. How did their family get picked? I mean, uh, sort of like timeless. He seems to be the soldier of the team, right? And and she's the scientist of the team, and according to her, and perhaps actually as well she is the leader of this group but the other thing visually the planetary scenes the scenic shots really stunning i I thought the cgi was was really wonderfully done outstanding outstanding yeah so good so so now the premise of the show at this point earth is facing what appears to be an extinction level event and they they refer to it as a near-earth object so it sounds as if an asteroid is preparing to impact the Earth at a level that we haven't seen perhaps since the dinosaurs. And groups are venturing out into the stars in the hopes of preserving the human race. What they should be doing is getting a team of people together with a nuclear warhead to get up on that asteroid, plant the nuclear warhead in there. Well, they probably would have to drill it in. So you're not looking for like soldiers necessarily. You're looking for like oil drillers. To get up there, plant that warhead, and blow that thing up. Right? It sounds like Travelers, right? Uh, or it sounds like uh, Armageddon. <laughs> Isn't that, okay. Isn't that what Travelers had to do? Uh, they they did have to do something where they – did they blow up? A, I can't remember well, what they, they – sh- they, 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 they diverted an asteroid. Right. It was um, like a laser or something. Yeah, I yeah. Forget. A laser. Yeah, I guess we'll have to revisit Travelers before the next season appears. No, but, but, but the uh, the Bruce Willis film, like I just that was like the whole plot. Did yeah. you ever see it? I did. Okay. 
All right, now they're part of the Jupiter mission that there are 24 colonial spacecrafts and the Resolute, I, I think it's easiest to think of it as the mothership because when you get that one mm-hmm. visual and you see the Resolute and then they're all the, the t- they look tiny, but the, the smaller Jupiters, they are Jupiter 2. And what happens is the Resolute is attacked and basically the colonists have to leave before they intended to they escape in their crafts they get hurled through a wormhole which really doesn't become clear until the end of the episode and even then it's you you really have to kind of put two and two together they crash land on i I didn't get that i know like they talk about how far away they are but i'm like yeah i I didn't get that they that they had gone through a wormhole so they that actually clears stuff up for me so okay so they crash land on what appears to be an Earth-like planet. Their craft, Jupiter 2, crashes into a glacial bed. Before their ship actually sinks below the ice, they're able to evacuate with some supplies and gear, but like like we said, it, it sinks to the bottom of the water. Now, we're introduced to the kids, and we're going to kind of focus on the characters tonight more so than the actual story. I mean, obviously, some of the story will become clear, but the eldest Robinson child, Judy, is also the mission doctor. She dives into the ship to retrieve a battery to keep everybody alive because the temperatures are are plummeting. And, of course, while swimming to the surface, she becomes trapped in the ice. And, and we have our really our first real peril to deal with. And it, and it sets up the quest for Will and his dad to go get the tungsten so they can you know, magnesium Judy from the ice, uh, magnesium. Right. Let's talk about the mom first. You know, you, okay. you mentioned Maureen Robinson mm-hmm. played by Molly Parker, who yep. appeared in Deadwood and house of cards. Now house I've never cards, watched great. house. Okay. Yeah. She had a big role in house of cards. She was okay. really, really I, good. I, I can't see ever watching that, but well, not now. Ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't, it, it would probably like, I can't Kevin Spacey just now brings a new level of disturbance to like the roles like i wouldn't watch like baby driver with him and it's just like there's this whole other level of stuff going on uh now that he's in there you know so mm-hmm. well and i, I can't go back deadwood. and see house cards yeah and deadwood was pretty good but uh, maureen robinson scientist seems to be the mission leader know-it-all and, and i think she crystallizes her attitude when she's injured and she tells them, no more doing anything until I say so. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. But I think the most important thing we learn about her is that Will didn't make the cut to go on this mission. Yes. And, and what did she trade yes. in order for Will to get green-lighted? Yeah, I see. I think that's a, a major mystery that I hope they address it. Uh, they, oh, they gotta. They they for sure gotta. Right. Right. And uh, okay, I, I know we said we're only going to talk about the first episode, and we yeah. are. But through three episodes, they haven't addressed it at all. Right. But the so yes, what did she trade? But the fact that she was willing to circumvent the system. Because well, she seems to be one of these people that we're going to do it my way, by the book. And one of the first things we see out of her is this. Absolutely. And we see that, you know, this is a team and people have to qualify for this visit. And the reason they, they have to qualify is because it's dangerous. And we see that and, and we see and, you know, Will, Grant, yeah, he's a kid, but he also did freeze up he froze up in his test he froze up when his dad wanted him to dive down into the back into the jupiter which then prompted judy to to jump in the water instead of him to keep him from having to do it when if he had been able to do it he would have been able to go in the top and he would have been able to do it i'm not saying easily but he with more quickly with less likelihood of you know getting trapped like uh, like Judy did. And so he's, again, I don't want to be too harsh on Will, but he's not qualified to be there. That's that's the, the point of it. Now, on the other hand, who does anyone really blame Maureen for what she does, right? I mean, it's her kid. 
Like she wants the family to be together. That seems to be like this really important thing as long as the family like is like not John. Right. Now, I wonder because in the original series, they, they make a point that families were basically the only people that were allowed to be part of the mission. And I think when you really consider it, that makes a lot of sense because they are planning to colonize another world in in the Alpha Centauri region to preserve the human race. So isn't it perhaps better to start with a group of family units and then go from there? So I wonder, because Will didn't make the cut, did that mean the family maybe didn't make the cut? Right. I wonder. No, yeah, that's good. That's a good thought. Yeah. Would they leave Will behind? Right, right. Now, the other thing that I thought was great in terms of the story arcs in this first episode is that mom gets hurt and is forced to rely on the other family members, including Mm -hmm. her husband. She's fine relying on her daughters. She is loath to rely on her husband. And well. Yeah, the poor guy, and he he kind of confronts her about it, but she is a class A ball buster, basically. And but like I said, I, I I'm still, despite my initial antipathy for Maureen and her general attitude, I'm still reserving actual judgment until I find out really why she's so pissed off at John. Now, if it's because he said, listen, if you're taking my kids, fine, I'm going with you. Okay, if that's the reason she's pissed at them, she's got to get over that, right? Because now they're, they're, they're on a planet where they didn't intend to be. They need each other to survive. She's going to have to utilize – John's going to have to be able to utilize his skills and not have his hands tied behind his back because she's pissed at him and she's going to be nasty to him for every little thing he does. So, right. you know. On the other hand, you got to like a mom that has a full package of Oreos as a reward for completing the list of tasks you've been given. Right. Even if it's not so, in the first uh, you know, episode, but that's okay. Oh, oh that's not. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but also, so right. while we're talking about her, though, because I got to say this line, because this is like one of the funniest ones I've ever heard. And I think it's in the second episode where she goes to John. He's like, I think we need to have a united front and we need to speak to the kids with one voice. And he's like, agreed. And then she says, and that voice is mine. There you go. I think that was that was a that was a really really good line. I thought so. Hats off to Maureen for that line, but hats down to Maureen for her whole general attitude. Until I find out why she's mad at John, in which case I might say, "Oh, I get it. John totally deserves it. He, in fact, maybe she's letting him off the hook a little easy." So I'm I might say that, or I might not. We'll have to okay. see. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and transition into John Robinson, played by Toby Stevens who's in a show called Black Sails that is a pirate show that looks really intriguing. But as we said many times, I just don't have the time yeah. to look at a show like this. Yep. But it looks really cool. I think it might be on Showtime, maybe no, HBO. I, I I'm think not it's sure. on like TNT or something. Oh, is it? Oh, I, okay. I'm not sure. Well, you know, maybe the show. I don't know. I just I remember when it first started. And the reason I think it's on like one of the regular cable stations is because I was thinking, oh, you know, I'd like to watch that, but you know, nothing about maybe I didn't watch it because it's on Showtime. So anyway, but yeah, I, I remember being intrigued by it, but uh, yeah, there's just too much, too much uh, yeah. watching as it is. Right now, as we said, he's United States Marine Corps. It looks like maybe some kind of special ops unit, but clearly they established that he's away from his family much of the time. Routinely misses Christmas. I mean, we get that scene where. Penny wants to use her babysitting money. <laughs> I love she. It's like, mom, you know, it's like it's like basically getting paid to study, <laughs> which is an interesting thing coming from Penny, and we'll get to her in a second. But mom almost wants to say, "Don't waste your money. He's not going to be here." Right, right. But but he's got that. She's got that faith that he is. So whether he's estranged from the family. Clearly, mom's not happy with his absences. But as we said, this mission only accepts family. So as you said, how did he get to tag along? So we haven't 
gotten an answer for that yet. I, I certainly well, think she they she have pulled to some strings it. to get Will on board. You know, he yep. you know maybe pulled some strings to get himself on board. Yeah, but what I love about him is that he doesn't baby Will. He sends him to get the battery, right? Somebody's yeah. got to go underwater to get the battery, and he's the only one that'll fit through that hatch that's only partially sure. opened. And right away, he's Will can do it, and Will's completely willing to do it. Right, and, and, and this is also where you know Maureen's kind of, I don't want to call it duplicity, but you know her sneakiness is starting to backfire because you know John says he qualified he passed the test but but no he didn't but john doesn't know that so right. when he you know if he knew that he might be more reluctant to send will into danger as maureen clearly is right um, yeah so there, there there is that as well yeah we we know will trained even though he didn't necessarily qualify we know he did train and whatever it is that caused him to freeze up we get the impression it was some sort of a physical task what we see in episode one almost asks us to consider that it must have been something totally out of character for him because he certainly proves his worth in this episode uh he eventually does right like he kind of like um when he you know we saws the, the the branch in order that the robot can rejoin its lower half. And also his, you know, he's not scared. Like he's got fire all around him and he's kind of like resigned and like, well, at least one of us will survive. You know, he's not crying. He's not whining. He's not saying mommy, mommy. He's kind of like very, you know, like tough and stoic in the face of the danger. So, which is not what we saw before where he, when, you know, John was like, okay, you know, Will, you got to go down. And he was like, what, what, what? You know. Now, obviously, John defers to his wife over most things related to the mission. But as time goes on, even in this episode, he starts making his own decisions. None bigger than the decision to leave Will to go save Judy. Yeah. And, and I wonder, would she have been able to make that decision? Because that is the right call to make. Absolutely, it's the right call. It, it's it's a sucky call to make. Like, and Maureen's like, well, where's Will? You know, she's like giving him shit about it. And it's just like, listen, and he's like, I can't save both kids. You know, like he, he had to make a call. It's getting cold. Time is of the essence with Judy. What, Will being on his own, does that suck? Yes, it does suck. But, you know, clearly the priority here, the one who is running out of time, literally running out of air, is Judy. Now, I also love the fact that he defers to Will's knowledge, and it's that knowledge of the magnesium and how that can help free Judy in the ice is, is what sets up the quest, and the two of them go to retrieve that. You know, we mentioned Judy trapped in the ice, played by Taylor Russell from Falling Skies, and one of the first things, and, and Fred will address this in his feedback tonight, and you mentioned that we find out I- exactly what the backstory is, but obviously you notice that she's African-American and the rest of the family is not. So right. let, we'll just let that alone for now. I assumed she was perhaps adopted. There are other scenarios and you know we'll just leave that yeah what i was thinking is either a that that they adopt or b that she's a child you know that maureen had had a child before she and john got married and john raised but you know either way it's irrelevant because clearly she calls john dad he is desperately emotionally trying to so it's not like he has disconnected himself from her and sees her as someone else's child he sees her as his child but also is that potentially part of the you know the tension that there exists between judy and john um you know that's possible too but but judy's the oldest and you know certainly you know like you know teenagers are gonna butt heads with their parents plain and simple right yeah but i love what you said because that's exactly the same thing i thought 
he sees her as his child, plain and simple. He leaves Will, right. his child, to go save her. Now, again, we could argue, as you said, time is of the essence. With her, Will will be fine or not, but it's it's not as time sensitive. But I, I just I just love that. So she's been trained as the family's medical officer, and despite the fact that she's trapped in the ice, look, dude. As I've said many times, I won't fly. And a lot of it is claustrophobia for me, Mm -hmm. panic attacks. And and I can only imagine what it must be like to be trapped in ice. Uh. Yet, Yet she possesses the wherewithal to talk her sister through that procedure on their mother. Right. Yeah. So no, this she's is just she's got she's got cojones, man. I mean, not she, she, literally, but you know, like she she's got moxie, right? And how did she get down there? Well, Will obviously didn't want to; he was willing to. But the next thing you know, she jumps in the water to retrieve the battery because she knows another route in. And while that's certainly heroic, it, it is a bit rash, and it takes me back to Agents of Shield. And Simmons leaving the team without a medical officer. And then we're, of course, expected to believe that Mac uh, and Piper could actually do that microsurgery to save Deke's life. But right. uh, I'm willing to make that leap. <laughs> that, that, that was a pretty big leap to make. Even I'm watching, I'm like, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. But you know, but the, the other thing I thought of with Judy and her place in the family having come off of jessica jones i almost thought oh maybe their sisters you know something like that happened that Mm -hmm. you know her her family was killed and and you know because obviously jessica and trish are are as close as blood sisters could be probably even closer than yeah but but whereas trish's mom doesn't like see jessica as her daughter really and like we said i mean for john uh you know judy is is his kid like and so it's clearly like years and years of emotion and love and care uh, put into that relationship. So, um, you know, I, I think it's whatever the, the relationship is. And I'm obviously be a little false here because I, I did happen to catch on Wikipedia what the deal is with it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it just seems like he's, he's considered her a child and probably from a very young age. And, and uh, you know, like, like you said, he's not going to, he doesn't, he doesn't, treat her differently he doesn't think of her he doesn't dissociate himself from her he you know he's he's the one digging away at the ice reaching his hand down saying take my hand take my hand yeah yeah and 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 the other thing i mean clearly she's a brilliant young woman Uh, there's no question about that but in that one flashback scene where will's concerned and upset that he's not going to make the cut to go on the mission and, and just that simple statement you know the robinsons stick together yeah, yeah, and she cool. sees herself as part of the family. You're my little brother. End of story. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, on the one hand, and I, uh, my favorite characters are the two sisters, no question. But I love Penny, played by Mina Sundwall, maybe a little more because she seems to get the funnier lines. Yeah, and I get that. And what? Well, because she's a, she's a, a literary nerd too, you know. So, you know, they definitely she's going to strike a chord with English teachers all over the world, right? I mean, when when she realizes the kind of danger they're in, I probably should have read the fine print before I launched into space. Yeah, <laughs> and that that sense of humor. But as you said, she's also supremely well read. She's brought a vast collection of classic literature with her and obviously on the one hand you want to do that if you're colonizing a foreign world but this is material that she loves and that scene when judy's trapped in the ice and she reads moby dick to her sister to take her mind off the crisis i mean it tells us a lot about the relationship between the two young women and look they're teenagers so of course they're going to have their their battles and their conflicts but Again, when it comes down to a life and death situation, I just thought this scene was really telling. Yeah. And the oldest 
book and uh, the the oldest joke in like English literature is the or American lit I should say. Call me Ishmael. Okay, Ishmael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and, 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 everyone who's ever read or taught Moby Dick has had to put up with that joke. Yeah, and then just the relationship with her sister when the rest of the family is worried. She's okay. Ah, she's always okay. It's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, then she realizes the danger that Judy's facing and you can see it's everything she can do to fight back the tears. So whatever conflicts these sisters may or may not have, they're, they're very close. And then I love in the, in the one Christmas scene, apparently Judy had told Penny not to get her a present, but to donate to charity. But Penny's going to get her something anyway, hmm. which kind of sets up that whole competitive nature between the two sisters, even though they're not really in the same vein. As you said, she's really literary as opposed by uh, Judy's scientific and, and medical bent. But hmm. everybody's got a job to do. Right. But when Maureen's broken leg requires surgery i mean it's reached a critical stage and then judy talks penny through the procedure to relieve the pressure okay it's just like steak i love steak (laughs) (laughs) i mean can you imagine having to do what she did i can't imagine it now oh my god all right now you mentioned will and and you know some of the things we'll talk about you've kind of already brought up maxwell jenkins who played young will in sensate I don't know if you remember that or not. Um, No, not really. I mean, well, yeah, yes. I kind of remember it, but I don't remember him. The kid looked a little familiar, but I don't know if I, if you had told me that he's insensate that I would have picked up on that. But, uh, you know, we talked about the fact that he didn't earn his way on the mission, but he's certainly a bright kid. I mean, he comes up with the idea of using the magnesium to thaw the ice not only does he notice it in the distance, but he understands how it can help, which is more than his father understood. Now, we could argue, you know, he falls down that crevasse. Dude, why didn't you stay where your father left you? Okay. I mean, it's it's not exactly his fault. I mean, but then he goes through and he comes out on a side of this world that, you know, is... I don't want to say the total antithesis, but he's gone from ice to greenery and he still wanders away. Now, I mean, it turns out okay, but he finds that downed burning alien craft that is likely the one that collided with their ship. And see, this is something that I, I didn't catch on the first time. You know, once the mothership is attacked and, Jupiter 2 takes off with the others. Eventually, they collide with another ship. And then mm-hmm. that's what sends them down. So I'm right. assuming it's the alien ship that, you know, he sees the burning wreckage. And of course, that turns out to be where the, the robot is from. But. Uh, well, we also have to consider Dr. Smith's. Sh- I mean, we assume that Dr. Smith is going to be, make it to the, the same world, right? Um, you know, certainly there's a, a lot of bravery that's inside of Will Robinson. You mentioned cutting the branch to free the alien robot. And, and he says, no point in you dying, too. Now, you mentioned Dr. Harris, June Harris, played by Parker Posey, who Time magazine named Queen of the Indies. As, as I said <laughs> to my wife, it's like, you know, she's in everything. But why can't I remember anything she's been in? She was a number in a number of Christopher Guest films. I don't know if you ever saw yeah. Best in Show. Yeah, yeah, I was about to Duffin. say she's she's in yeah she's in all those movies, um, and she's she's great in them. Yeah, you know, she's like right now the character of Doctor Smith, at least the original, is a uh, quite a departure because the original Doctor Smith in, in the original 1965 series is actually an Air Force officer who sets out to sabotage the mission here. She's not even supposed to be on a ship. She steals the jacket of a guy who is Dr. Smith. And I guess sewn into the jacket is, you know, I guess their pass codes or whatever uh, Mm -hmm. that that will get her through, but it's good for her. She abandoned, he needs help. She just abandons him. 
pretends yeah. she belongs in this ship and then allows Don West and uh, the, the other girl, I forgot to write her name down, to board with her. And, okay, so we learn quite a bit about Dr. Smith at this point or whatever her name actually is. Right. Well, yeah, and, and, and we don't know that. And But what we the little we've seen of her so far, she seems to be very much like you know, that self-centered character that the Dr. Smith from the original was has been kind of like always, I just remember like he, he was always causing problems, you know, like every episode, like Dr. Smith was up to something and was, was messing stuff up for, for the whole family. Now, lastly is the robot. And you mentioned something tonight that clears up something for me because there appear to be two of these robot aliens when Will encounters them at the tree. And clearly they occupied the crashed ship. And the other thing that I missed the first time around is they appear to either be the same species or the same aliens that attack the resolute. It's the, I think it's literally the same robot. Okay. And and I think the resolute. Okay. So we don't know that at this point, but, it's well, we certainly saw something it. we have to consider. So, well, yeah, yeah, but, but, I mean, but we saw we do see. Oh, we don't know if it's just one of like a force or whether it was the one. Right, right, right. I just correct. assume it's like you're right. We we don't know at this point. You're right, and I just I guess I kind of assumed that it is the one because that's like what happened in the original, right? Like the robot kind of went mad, and that's what caused them to crash. Yeah. Well, yes, oh, yes, and no. I mean, yes. It did, but because Dr. Smith sabotages it. Right, right. So okay. it's not, in, in the original, it's not really the robot's fault. But obviously, right, yeah, it's it, not the, but it's because the robot kind of went crazy that the, the, the crash happened, though. Right, sure. Now, obviously, it understands that Will helped it and returns the favor, makes itself a little bit more humanoid in appearance, and then, of course, utters the line eventually that we've all been waiting for, Danger Will Robinson. And, you know, I'm assuming the source is accurate. That phrase was uttered only one time in the original series. Are you serious? Yeah. That's what it said. No way. That is crazy. I know, because it's almost become iconic. It is. In fact, it's so funny. This last night, um, we were having, I was talking to some of the other people I had coached, field hockey with and i just mentioned i was watching lost in space and and the uh, the other guy goes oh danger will robinson yeah so yeah it is it is like the iconic line of that show and it was only said once are you serious uh that's what i read that's, i don't i'll, believe, I'll, I'll I don't do know, some more I don't, believe, I don't know if i believe that you need okay. i need to check your source buddy all right now he saves or it saves the family's life after freeing Judy from the ice. And then, you know, you mentioned being able to provide heat through its fingers as nightfall approaches. But for a pilot episode, I don't know what else I would want. I mean, it is really engaging. I I think the storylines are certainly intriguing. There's, there's enough going on that we want answers to that. We still, you know, we, we see, Judy gets trapped in the ice. Dad and Will go get the magnesium to melt the ice. Penny performs that surgical procedure. Will gets separated, meets the alien robot. I mean, there's a lot that's going on, but it doesn't feel as if any one of those little storylines gets the short shrift. Right. No, yeah, like you said, it it was a really, really strong pilot. The the only thing, and I, and I think this is kind of like what an issue that people probably have in general with like family type shows. It's just so easy to create tension by putting the kids in danger all the time. You know, like we're always going to be kind of stressed uh, because like you know the kid, or and then you have multiple kids are in trouble. And so you know, and it's just always so. There's always going to be this sense of, of tension and angst uh, happening. I think because uh, you know, like especially for the parents who are probably, especially Maureen is going to at some point have to deal with the fact that the kids are yes, kids, but also like, you know, have to be kind of like treated like adults too here and everything. So, so I just think like, you know, like Penny getting trapped and, 
and Will being on that that forested place far away and having to make that decision like, you know, I, I, hopefully that I, I'm sure this show will handle it um, deftly so that we don't get tired of, you know, just every week or every episode. It's every week. It's Netflix, right? Uh, every episode, there's just being some kid in some mortal danger that the parents have to fish him out of, you know? Right. And I think we just have to accept the fact that there are no real consequences in terms of life or death with the three children. I, I, I find it very hard to believe that they're going to kill off any of the three. True. I find it hard to believe they're going to kill off either of the parents. So right. d- with, as you said, we've got to accept that they're going to handle these you know, perilous situations in, in a way that we're okay with the fact that we know going in, it's all going to be okay in the end. Right. And that's okay. Right, right. So True that. um, I'm going to go A- on this one. I thought about full-on A, but you're you're going full-on A. Yeah, I'm giving it a solid A. Cool. Okay. You know, I'm not sure why the minus. Maybe I'll change my mind by the time I do the the post (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the week. But but really good episode. I'm I'm hoping to talk my wife into watching the fourth episode tonight. And she's she's into the show. Unfortunately, there's another show on Netflix that we're uh, like 39 episodes in that we seem to watch some of it each night. What's that, Dave? It's called Grand Hotel. It's uh, another Spanish Netflix series. Okay. uh, 1906 but uh but pretty cool so uh fred sent us in some audio feedback this week so let's hear what fred has to say about lost in space hello dave and wayne this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback on the new netflix series lost in space a typical netflix whole series at once release on the one hand these whole series releases are handy because you don't have to look again and again whether the next episode is available on the other hand, it makes the weekly based pod, uh, a weekly-based podcast more difficult. If you really want to speculate on what is going to happen and you want to keep the podcast spoiler-free, this is not the best way of doing it. And this is probably true for the host as well as the listeners that give feedback. However, some podcasters are very good in getting this right, such as the both of you. If you watch a somewhat older series, it still is very nice to have a good and spoiler-free podcast to accompany that, such as, for instance, Dollhouse at the moment. I'm not much of a binge-watcher, actually. I can easily watch an episode of a fully available season and then one or two weeks later the next. How better a series is, the longer the time between the episodes will be. I get uh, just a little bit uh, frugal and uh, I don't want to squander it then. Perhaps typical Dutch, perhaps typical me, perhaps just weird. Okay, back to um, Lost in Space, Season 1, Episode 1, called Impact. I will divide my feedback into the good, the bad, and the in-between. The good. I'm really impressed by the acting of the three kids. Judy, our girl in the eyes. Uh, Taylor Russell is 23 in real life. Penny, played by Mina Zundwall, is 16, and Will, played by Maxwell Jenkins, is 12. Funny fact is that he also played Will in Sense8, as the younger version of the adult Will Gorski. Sense8 is a very impressive, quite differently filmed series with actors coming from all over the world, and the scenes are also beautifully filmed all over the world. This also caused a budget problem, and is the reason why the series only got two seasons. In season two, episodes were costing nine million apiece. The series seems to get a two-hour wrap-up special. It is directed by the Wachowski siblings. In your Sci-Fi TV rewatch episode 214 of September 2017, you both gave Sense8 premiere a straight A. Okay, back to Lost in Space. I really like the outfits with the nice colors and the lighting of the helmets. CGI is quite nicely done for a TV series and I also love the scenery. Okay, the bad. For a premiere I found the episode a bit too much flashbacky. Of course we have to know uh, the background story of this family, but I got the feeling, and probably it's less, that uh, one third of the episode was flashback. Furthermore, they throw us some bones. 
bones that that are clearly so clearly thrown that it's a bit annoying that they don't explain them whereas they do explain a lot of other stuff stuff a few examples of this are one john saying to molly so you're finally filing for divorce molly no i uh, i uh, that doesn't seem not necessary anymore i need your permission so that they can go and afterwards Nothing is said about the divorce anymore. Second bone. How is a girl of color a member of a Caucasian family? Third bone. How is a similar creature on the Resolute space station present and the Robinsons family is uh, reacting to the one on the planet as that they didn't know it? Did they leave earlier than the attack on the space station? Was there no communication with the Resolute? Further next picks, the terrible cheesy melodramatic music played when Will is sitting on the tree uh, branch and uh, there is fire all around. Nitpick 2, the fact that the alien creature can give warmth with his hands, it looks a bit magical instead of technical. More something for the librarians. And 3, why does Penny not cover the laptop and her torch when it starts raining? Okay, the in between. The amount of bad things happening to the kids was just a bit too much in a row. Judy getting stuck in the eyes, Penny being forced to do a major surgery on her mother, and little Will left alone in a creepy forest. On the other hand, I have to say these problems are selected proportionately uh, for their age. Will I watch this series further? Well, perhaps one or two episodes with a chance of stopping there. There is too much other stuff out there that's better or has nicer podcasts. I'm actually, for instance, not expecting that the two of you will pick this show up. On the other hand, I'm quite sensitive to nice visuals, scenery, good CGI and lighting. So this could be also a reason to keep watching even if the story isn't top of the bill. This was all. Greetings, Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Well, again, yeah, Fred, I mean, the Netflix model is clearly not conducive to podcasting. I mean, it is something you and I have talked about. You know, Michael and I have talked about, I'm sure, every podcaster that does a Netflix show. The one thing I've learned uh, through my work with Den of Geek is that now Netflix is providing the screeners for the people that review. I don't have access to any of them, but what, what the reviewers do is they write them up ahead of time right they're right so that they can release all the reviews right when it's oh that's right and then i I know what they did this uh last time with lost in space is they divided it up among several writers because i know michael did i think three or four episodes of it Mm -hmm. and then as you said then they can publish the reviews either all at once or, or within a couple of days for the people that do like to binge, but you got that whole idea of, of binging versus once a week. And, and, you know, as Fred says, he's not a big binger. I'm not either. I like to have some time to think about an episode, but you know, it's, I guess it's that new media we were talking yeah, about yeah. with the Saturn awards. Yeah, for sure. Now he, he also said about lost in space, he, he divided it up into the good, the bad and the, in the middle. And, and again, Fred, I agree with you. I thought the kid acting was the strength of the show. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, yeah and, and yes, the uniforms, their outfits, I thought were really cool. And again, that's something that, that really, I don't want to say could make or break the show, but you could really look at it and it's like, you know, that's really dumb, that's impractical, whatever. But no, it was just, it was all really cool, right, right. down to the, yeah. the helmets. Now, the bad, he felt, and, and I disagree with you, Fred, a little bit here, is about too much flashback. I mean, I think they have to give us some sense of how we got to this point, and there are still a lot of questions unanswered, so I'm okay with the flashbacks. Yeah, well, especially if you're studying something in media's race, right, that they're throwing this right into the action of it, so you got to go to those flashbacks to find out how they got there. I was I was fine with the flashbacks too. Now, I, again, I will also admit I am not necessarily a, a huge fan of flashbacks, but like I said, skillfully done, it's a good tool. And I think they'll, and I think they're going to continue because there's still things that 
we need to know, like we said about Maureen, what did she trade to get Will on that mission? Things like that. So I think we're still going to get some of those flashbacks. Yeah. Well, the first thing I thought of when Fred mentioned the flashbacks is, well, at least Wayne's got to be happy there aren't any voiceovers. Exactly. See, if they could, I'll take flashbacks all day, just no voiceovers. Yep. Now, one thing he points out about the attack on the Resolute, did they not have any warning? I mean, a ship of that size, you know, do they not have radar or whatever? So but it, it looked like it, it was the same size as the Jupiter. So, so maybe it's not. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean, well, probably also apparently something they're not looking for is alien life because as will right. says he's the first person to uh, you know to to find evidence of of alien intelligence so they probably right. were like literally not on their radar yeah now you know fred brings up the the idea of the peril that the kids face and, and certainly you've mentioned a lot over the last five and a half years of our podcast about putting kids in danger and, and the way it affects you and impacts you. But I think here we understand they're not any real danger. You know, they're, they're going to be fine. On the one hand, I don't like that because, you know, again, it takes the consequence away. On the other hand, they're kids. So, right. you know, right. we True. understand and then at the end of the day, are you going to keep watching? Well, I am. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. So, Absolutely. But as usual, great feedback, Fred. And yep. Thanks, Fred. You know, we look forward to, you know, what any of you guys have to say about Lost in Space. You know, obviously we're going to return to Dollhouse next week. But, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. And, uh, oh, my God, you see, like, The 100 is coming back tonight. Oh, uh, the expan- I'm already behind on the expanse. I am way behind the expanse. Yeah, uh, I'm behind on the crossing. I, I, I don't know where I'm going to find the time. <laughs> you just well, that's you got to just got to binge it and get it out of the way. Oh, gosh, I know. So, <laughs> well, we'll leave it there. Really good, really good pilot. I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. We'd love to hear what you think about you know anything going on in genre TV encourage you to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community and if you're already a member spread the word emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website consider become a patreon patron and we'll be back next time to talk about dollhouse season two episode six titled the left hand but until then you know whenever i'm at the produce uh, section of the store i always think that there's bound to be things that eat the vegetation and things that eat those things. <laughs>